Welcome to MD Notify, a pediatrics podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sufchuk, and today we are going to be talking about pediatric drug eruptions. That means we're talking about rashes that happened in children after they take certain medications. This is an episode that covers a lot of different rashes, and for that reason, we are going to be dividing it into two different episodes. So welcome to part one. In part one, we are going to cover morbilliform drug eruption and serum sickness-like reaction. Along the way, we are going to talk a little bit about rashes that look like rashes that are caused by different medications, aka mimickers. And so this is an episode that's going to talk mostly about pediatric drug eruptions um, with a couple different other differential diagnoses thrown in. So let's get started. The first rash that I want to talk about is morbilliform drug eruption. This is one of the most common drug eruptions. We don't know exactly what the pathophysiology is behind this rash, but basically it looks like a morbilliform rash. You might remember or you might know that morbilliform, the term morbilliform, refers to the way that the rash looks in measles. So morbilliform actually just means it looks similar to the rash that you see in measles. So another disclaimer that I should have brought up earlier is that this is a dermatology episode in a podcast format. So I will do my best to describe these rashes to you, but if you have access to a resource like visual diagnosis or up to date or a pediatric dermatology textbook or even Google if you really have to, those might be good resources to use to look up examples of these different rashes as we're talking about it. So anyway, back to morbilliform drug eruptions. Like I said, these are one of the most common drug eruptions. They look like the rash that you see in measles. And what that means is it just looks like a viral exanthem. It kind of looks like you got 100 tiny mosquito bites, and they're not necessarily wheels or hives, but they are a little bit raised. It's a maculopapular rash. We see it kind of on the trunk and sometimes along the extremities, and it's kind of nonspecific. It looks just like your classic viral exanthem. But the way that we tell this apart from a viral exanthem is that it typically occurs after a child has been started on a medication and the child has been getting that medication for at least 72 hours. So in other words, we think this is a somewhat of a delayed hypersensitivity reaction where the child is exposed over a couple of days and then all of a sudden develops this sort of maculopapular rash. Sometimes it can be a little bit um, itchy. Occasionally you'll get a little bit of low-grade fever, but for the most part, you would just stop the medication and see if the rash goes away. And beyond that, it typically doesn't require that much in the way of intervention. So it's mostly just supportive care and reassurance. Parents will often ask you if the child had a morbilliform drug eruption, can my child take this drug again? And the answer to that is yes, because oftentimes kids get rashes and we really don't know exactly what is causing them. And if it's such a mild response, and if it's a medication that the child truly needs, then it's safe to give the medication again and see if that same response occurs again. Now, moving on to the second topic of this episode, which is a little bit more of a serious 
reaction to a medication. Um, our next topic of discussion is serum sickness-like reaction. So serum sickness-like reaction is a cutaneous and a systemic reaction to a drug. And it's kind of interesting because it's called serum sickness-like reaction. And the reason it's called that is because it looks sort of similar on exam to findings that we see in something called serum sickness. Now, serum sickness is a much more serious hypersensitivity reaction. And serum sickness-like reaction is something that just looks similar, but the pathophysiology is a little bit different, and the disease itself is a little bit more benign. So to kind of dial this back a little bit, you may think back to medical school or nursing school and remember learning about the different types of hypersensitivity reactions. And so there are four main types of hypersensitivity reaction. Just bear with me here because this does really make a lot of sense and it's pretty interesting to kind of understand how your immune system is working. The first type of hypersensitivity reaction is type 1 and then there's type 2, 3, and 4. So there's four types in total. I remember this by a mnemonic acid, as in it's not a base, it's an acid. And so when you use that mnemonic, you go, okay, A, A is type 1. I remember A stands for anaphylaxis. Um, and anaphylaxis reminds me that type 1 hypersensitivity reactions are IgE-mediated, just like anaphylaxis is IgE-mediated. Type 2 is the C in acid, um, and that's cytotoxic, C for cytotoxic, and it's a cytotoxic reaction that involves IgM and IgG and your complements, and in that way, through that kind of complement cascade and through those antibodies, you get the hypersensitivity response. The third hypersensitivity reaction, or type 3, is the I in acid, and I stands for immune complexes, Immune complexes form, and then they can be caught in the kidney, they can be caught in the joints, they can cause a lot of different issues just by being formed in your body, and then they cause a lot of inflammation, and they can cause some downstream effects. And then D is the type 4 hypersensitivity reaction, and that stands for delayed. So you have type 1, which is IgE-mediated, type 2, which is IgM and IgG-mediated, along with your complement system, type 3, which is immune complex-mediated, and type 4, which is delayed. So now that we've kind of reviewed that, true serum sickness is a type 3 hypersensitivity reaction, meaning there are real immune complexes that are formed in your body and that those immune complexes go on to cause all of these downstream effects. Now, serum sickness-like reaction is a cutaneous and a systemic reaction to a medication that we see in pediatric patients, and it is not an immune complex problem. So it's not a true type 3 hypersensitivity reaction. And so that's what separates serum sickness with serum sickness-like reaction. So now that we've kind of gone into the pathophys of serum sickness-like reaction, what does it actually look like? So serum sickness-like reaction, like I said, it's involving the skin and it's also a systemic reaction 
to a medication. So you will have children who present with systemic signs, and those are things like fever and arthralgias. Of course, this is a rash, so you would also present with the rash. Uh, the rash in serum sickness looks a lot like what we call purple urticaria. And you can Google it or go on visual diagnosis and look up some pictures. It's really an impressive rash. It looks very much like purple urticaria. So you have these sort of annular uh, lesions and you have some sometimes some sort of serpiginous regions. And then in the middle of those circles or in the middle of those sort of serpiginous plaques, you have a darker, more dusky, sort of purplish area. Now, this is not as histamine-mediated as something, for example, like acute urticaria. So it's not typically as itchy. Um, so the classic features that you want to remember is, one, fever, two, purple urticaria, and three, arthralgias. So this can be caused by a couple of different things. The classic trigger for a serum sickness-like reaction is cefaclor, um, which is an antibiotic, but I've also seen it to amoxicillin, cephalexin, trimsulfa. Um, sometimes we see it to beta blockers like propranolol, um, but most commonly I'll see this in a child who has been getting, let's say, a 10-day course of antibiotics, and about a week into the course, they develop this really impressive uh, purplish urticarial rash and fever and joint pain, and their parents really are like, oh my gosh, like this rash, it looks very impressive. And they bring them in to see um, their pediatrician or to the ER or, you know, wherever. So this is a rash that typically takes a little bit of time to appear. It's not like you get one dose of amoxicillin and then you get serum sickness-like reaction. Normally, we see this either one to three weeks after the initiation of a suspected medication. Similarly, these are rashes that tend to stick around for a little while. So you have the uh, lesions themselves. They look purple. They look dusky. And as you kind of treat the serum sickness-like reaction, the purplish areas can kind of hang out on the skin. And they may get a little lighter, um, but they, they tend to take at least a week to slowly resolve. Um, and that's an, that's an important point to remember because some of the other rashes that we'll talk about next week in our next episode in part two of pediatric drug eruptions um, don't stick around on the skin for that long. They actually come and go a lot quicker. So that's an important differentiating factor to remember is that in serum sickness-like reaction, not only do you have fever, rash, and arthralgias, you also have that rash that kind of hangs out on the skin for at least a couple of days. Now, Treatment for serum sickness-like reaction is to stop the medication because the medication is the problem and then treat symptomatically. So that means give antihistamines for itching if itching is present, um, give antipyretics for fever, give NSAIDs for arthralgias, and in most kids, in most cases, those things will really help the child feel better and the rash will slowly resolve. However, if you have a child who is really, really ill-appearing or is sick enough to be admitted to the hospital, sometimes people will add 
or a short course of corticosteroids to really bring down that immune response and kind of tamp it out, calm everything down. And a lot of times the kids do feel a lot better with that, with that medication. So next week we're going to talk a little bit more about fixed drug eruption. We're going to talk about acute urticaria. And we're also going to talk about DRESS, which is drug-related eosinophilia with systemic symptoms. We are also going to touch on two rashes that are commonly confused with these pediatric drug eruptions, and those are urticaria multiforme and erythema multiforme. So after that episode, we'll have covered seven different rashes, and I think we'll have a really good understanding when we go into a room of a patient who is experiencing a rash that they think is related to a medication and know kind of what to look for, what questions to ask, and how to differentiate between these different types of rashes. So again, this is MD Notified. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to MD Notified, a pediatric podcast. References to the information sourced in this episode can be found in the Quick Notes outline, which is available on mdnotified.com. The contributors to MD Notified have no financial disclosures or conflicts of interest. The views, information, or opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals in today's episode and do not represent any other organizations or its employees. The primary purpose of this podcast is to inform and educate. This podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice or services. If you are a member of the general public and have questions, please make an appointment with your local board-certified pediatrician.